Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. This week, we invite you to sink your fangs into a new show based on one of the most beloved book series of all time. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I finally dug into the sleeper sitcom of the year. We'll talk some Abbott Elementary and James Bond turned 60 this week. Plus, I want to follow up on a show I discussed last week because I don't think I gave it a fair shake. After watching a couple of more episodes, I'm all in. But first, a new trailer was released this week for next month's Marvel movie, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Only the most broken people. Wakanda Forever is the second Black Panther movie. The first came out in 2018. How is that only four years ago? It feels much longer ago than that. Of course, we first met T'Challa in 2016 in Captain America Civil War. And that first Black Panther movie was a hit. Even by MCU standards, it was a big hit, pulling in more than $1.3 billion when all was said and done. So, of course, they made a sequel, even with some incredibly sad business they had to deal with. And the trailer starts with the funeral for the original Black Panther, played by the late great Chad. Chadwick Boseman, who died of cancer in real life in 2020. No word yet on how exactly the movie will handle the character's death, but there will definitely be a funeral. The trailer quickly changes gears to not necessarily the new Black Panther, but rather the new villain. It's Namor the Submariner, who sometimes goes by other names. His people did not call him General Oki. They called him Kukul Khan. The Feather Serpent God. Killing him will risk eternal war. He's coming for the surface world. So Namor lives underwater, but he also has little wings on his ankles and can fly. Okay. He's played by a Mexican actor, Tinoc Hereta, who I'm not familiar with, but he looks suitably mean for a Marvel villain. There are a bunch of action shots, and then we get a good look at the new Black Panther. It's not stated outright, but we're clearly meant to believe that it's BP's little sister Shuri, played by Letitia Wright. She looks good in the Black Panther suit, so I'm starting to get pumped for this movie. Black Panther Wakanda Forever opens November 11th. We know what you whisper. I still don't know how to feel about Chadwick Boseman um, or about, pardon me, T'Challa being not being recast in the wake of the death of Chadwick Boseman, because if this was any other character, I'm all but certain they would just recast the character. Like if, yeah. if, if, if the, an actor playing Batman, for example, died, uh, they're not going to kill Batman, the character. And Bozeman worked so hard. It meant so much to him to be able to bring this character to life. And I think, well, his family thinks that he would have wanted the character to live on. But I suppose at the same time, because we've never seen something like this, it's almost, it's unprecedented to have uh, the actor who portrays the character be honored in such a way so, yeah, I guess I'll just have to wait to see the movie to find out what I think. 
And I think they've they mentioned in the the first Black Panther movie, don't they, that the the title of Black Panther gets passed down generation after generation after generation. So in the world in Wakanda, there's always there's you know it's it's a title. It's a different Black Panther over the course of all these you know hundreds and thousands of years. So it sort of makes sense in their world. You know, once one Black Panther dies, they do get another Black Panther, a different person. So in that sense, it sort of makes sense. But yeah, in the real world, making movies kind of thing, it is a, quite a different thing than we're used to. And indeed, it does. It looks all but confirmed that it's. Letitia Wright, who is going to be the next Black Panther, although there were whispers that they might be putting someone else in the suit because apparently she was a pain on the cast. She uh, She's an anti-vaxxer and was causing all kinds of headaches for the cast, and they had to redo certain things because of that stuff, and I think she got hurt as well. So uh, it could be, could be someone else, but it's probably going to be her. That's been the speculation for a couple of years now that it's going to be her in that suit. And I'm curious to see how they incorporate Namor, the Submariner, into this because he's a good guy in the comics, from what I understand. So seeing him come in as a villain is interesting. And I wonder how much it's going to be similar to Aquaman because um, he's Marvel's Aquaman. So there you go. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Here's another. This is an interesting thing that's coming to Disney Plus this weekend. This looks kooky. It's called Werewolf by Night. This Halloween, you can't escape the shock, the terror of Werewolf by Night. Tonight, it is every hunter for themselves. Good luck. I'll be rotting for you. But one of you is a monster. Masquerading as one of our own. I can't wait to find out what breed of evil you are. All right, let me just read the description here. On a dark and somber night, a secret cabal of monster hunters emerge from the shadows and gather at the foreboding Bloodstone Temple following the death of their leader. In a strange and macabre memorial to the leader's life, the attendees are thrust into a mysterious and deadly competition for a powerful relic, a hunt that will ultimately bring them face-to-face with a dangerous monster. Inspired by horror films of the 1930s and 1940s, the chilling special aims to evoke a sense of dread and the macabre with plenty of suspense and scares along the way as we explore a new corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes, this is based on Marvel Comics. And when I first saw the trailer, I thought, wow, that looks fun because it's in black and white and it, it uses all the classic horror tropes that we saw in movies from the 30s and 40s. So it looks like they're having a lot of fun with this. It's getting good reviews. It's only 54 minutes long, so I don't think you heard uh, the, the word special in there. So it's not a series. It's not a movie. Uh, you going to watch this, Jeff? Well, uh, usually I don't go for this sort of stuff, as we all know. But uh, it is a, a, an MCU thing, so I'm sort of thinking that it probably won't be too terribly gory and uh, gnarly in that respect. So I, I'll give it a shot. If it gets too much for me, I could just turn off the TV and go you know, stand outside in the sunshine like I like to do when I get scared. Okay. Oh, and one more thought on Black Panther I forgot to mention. It's entirely possible, I guess, that we could see a recast T'Challa 
just like a multiverse variant or some sort. So maybe that's how they'll, oh, yeah. maybe that was always part of their master plan was to honor Chadwick Boseman and then they can bring back T'Challa if they so choose somewhere down the road. A couple of quick movie mentions as well for this weekend. We wanted to point this out because there's a movie out this week with an amazing cast that's getting surprising reviews. Let's go to Amsterdam. On October 7, find out what happened in Amsterdam. The man who's killed, you're telling me he's suspicious. We need you to help us out. I'll screw this up. The friends. I'm the doctor. She's the nurse. He's the attorney. The agents. Those of organization who want to rule the world. The general. Somebody's trying to do something dark and treacherous. Who brought it down. I had to hit a lady with a brick one time. What? But with you two, it'll be a cakewalk. Amsterdam. Rated R. Get tickets now. So in the 1930s, three friends witness a murder, are framed for it, and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in American history. Now listen to this cast. Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Anya Taylor-Joy, Chris Rock, Michael Shannon, Mike Myers, Taylor Swift, Timothy Oliphant, Zoe Saldana, Rami Malek, and Robert De Niro. And yet... 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. As summarized, Amsterdam has a bunch of big stars and a very busy plot, all of which amounts to painfully less than the sum of its dazzling parts. Jeff, were you going to go see this movie? I, I was talking with my girlfriend about it. I said, there's this movie out. The trailer looks great. It's called Amsterdam, but and I wanted to see it, but the reviews are terrible. And she's like, oh, who cares about the reviews? We can make up our own minds. She goes, we should go see it. Unless it's, you know, over two hours long and set in olden times. And I said, yeah, it's set in the 1930s and it's two hours and 15 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think we're going. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, hey, sometimes the, the reviews are wrong, right? I've enjoyed plenty of movies where the review, it had a bad rating. And sometimes Same. it's correct. Also new this weekend. Lyle, Lyle, Crocodile. Just wanted to point that out. That looks like a cute family film about a large talking crocodile. Uh, the poster has him sitting in a bathtub singing into the shower head. Uh, so that's fun. And up next, we are going to tell you about the sleeper sitcom of the year. That's next on The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and I finally got around to watching what is the best sitcom on television right now. It's called Abbott Elementary. I'm Janine Teagues. I've been teaching second grade here at Abbott Elementary for a year now. The staff here is incredible. I'm looking to Miss Coleman. Hello. I'm sub. Oh! I thought one of my colleagues here hired a stripper for me. <laughs> okay. The main problem in the school district is, yeah, no money. You tried to flush the toilet and the water shot back up in the air. No one told you about reverse e toilet. No, okay. why is that even a thing? Just a day in the life of being a teacher here. You get used to it. And that smell in the wall? Oh, no, you're never going to get used to that. Okay. So. Abbott Elementary airs Wednesday nights on Global and ABC. It just started its second season a few weeks back. Season one began this past January. And over the last, you know, several months, I kept hearing good things about it, hearing great things about it, but uh, just never got around to seeing it. And then last month, the show picked up two Emmys, one for writing for creator and star Quinta Brunson, and one for supporting actress in a comedy for Cheryl Lee Ralph, who brought the house down with her song slash speech on Emmy night. Both awards very richly deserved. And the show, Abbott Elementary, it's pretty straightforward. It's a single camera mockumentary style sitcom set in a Philadelphia elementary school, and the characters are 
the staff of the school. Brunson is the lead. She's second grade teacher Janine. She's full of energy and optimism, and this is going to be the best day ever kind of attitude. And she only sees, you know, her good vibes shattered on a daily basis. Uh, Ralph plays Barbara, a kindergarten teacher who's been there for 30 years and in one episode is constantly referred to as, quote, the oldest teacher in the poorest school in America. There's also Gregory, a new substitute teacher who has a will-they-won't-they thing going on with Janine. There's Melissa, a tough South Philly Italian type who may have ties to the mob. Jacob, the impossibly nerdy gay guy, Mr. Johnson, the weird janitor, and of course the airhead principal, Ava, who's more interested in her social media feeds than her doing her job properly. They're all terrific, but I gotta say that Ava takes the cake. (laughs) I found someone to teach the gifted program. (laughs) Why are you breathing so hard? I'm excited. Well, it's weird. You should get that checked out. Okay, Okay, guys, so I know we're all on board with the gifted program. (gasps) There you go, sounding like an old locomotive. Janine. Yeah. What's wrong with you? You psyching yourself up to be yourself today? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, have a great day, Ava. Don't tell me what kind of day to have, getting all presumptuous and rude. You know what? Okay. We should teach this step class together. Together? Like, you and me? What else does together mean? Hurry up. Who knows when those kids will start arriving? They get here at 7.30. Every day? That's wild. A presentation to the school board coming up, right? Yeah, I do it annually. Right, but you're ready for the one this year. This girl doesn't know what annually means. (laughs) Okay, I'm sold. I gotta watch this. She's got a thousand hilarious lines, uh, and many of them are just very subtly slipped into conversation. She made me laugh out loud a lot while I binged the 16 total episodes that are out there right now. The show's just terrific. It was pretty good right out of the gate, but really found its footing after three or four episodes. Lots of shows go through that. And then, you know, by episode five, it's just firing on all cylinders. At first, I was a little wary because, you know, the mockumentary thing has been done to death at this point, and the show leans a lot on characters giving you know, little looks to the camera, like on The Office. And The Office popularized that in 2005 when it began. And that's a while ago now. In recent years, when I've seen other shows do it, I've, I've thought time to time, you know, this is getting kind of old. Try something new, please. However, I got to say, it really, really works on Abbott Elementary, whether it's someone's, you know, Jim Halpert style, can you believe what just happened or see what I have to put up with kind of look to camera or the Michael Scott version of a, you, you didn't just catch the embarrassing thing I did kind of look. It's always very funny on Abbott Elementary. So for them to be able to pump fresh life into what should be at this point a stale old joke is very impressive. The show's just lights out funny. It's really one of the best sitcoms out there right now. And I should point out that everyone can watch it. I mean, there are a lot of other funny sitcoms. I like shows uh, like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, What We Do in the Shadows, Barry, Our Flag Means Death. But you can't watch those shows with kids around. So the whole family can enjoy Abbott Elementary. And it's really funny on top of that. There's a lot of shows you can watch with your kids that are not very funny for parents to enjoy. But this one is just hilarious. Tons of laughs to be found. It's also very earnest, though, and it has some very touching moments, either from, you know, pure character stuff or just from the the challenges that teachers face every day and strive to overcome. Uh, A lot of it uh, hits you right in the heart. It clicks on all levels. I highly recommend it. Again, the first season of Abbott Elementary is available on Disney+. Plus. You can watch all 13 episodes there, and the second season is currently airing weekly on Global and ABC.
And as far as new television coming your way over the next week, starting on Sunday, October 10th, we've got a television adaptation of Let the Right One In, which will air on Crave. It comes from Showtime. This is an adaptation of a Swedish novel of the same name, which was adapted into a Swedish film in 2008, and then later a North American remake called Let Me In in 2010. It's about a guy named Mark and his daughter, Eleanor, Their lives changed 10 years ago when she was turned into a vampire, and she's basically frozen at age 12. She can only go out at night, and her dad does his best to feed her the blood she needs to survive. Um, Not curious to know what they're going to do with a TV show, because like I liked the movies, but the story was it worked in a two-hour block. I don't know that I need 10 hours of this. NCIS Cool J is back on Global Season 14 on Sunday. That's NCIS Los Angeles, by the way. Uh, Monday, October 11th, All-American Season 5 and All-American Homecoming Season 2 on the CW. And speaking of the CW on October 12th... I found a new excuse to play this music from Supernatural. It's the Winchesters. It's a prequel series to Supernatural. The show Supernatural was about the Winchester brothers, and this is about their parents. Apparently it's okay. And they've got a new show. This is weird. A new show called Professionals, which was picked up from a European streaming service starring Brendan Fraser and Tom Welling. I don't know, but it looks like an action thriller. Anyway, that's on October 12th. And up next, I want to tell you about a new show that started this week that is amazing. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brad, he's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. I started watching a new show on AMC when it debuted this past Sunday, October 2nd, and I love it. This is Daniel Malloy. It's 10.08 in the morning on June 14th, 2022. So, Mr. Dulac, how long have you been dead? It is Interview with the Vampire, adapted from the immensely popular book of the same name from the Vampire Chronicles series by Anne Rice. It's the first book in the 13-book series. That one was published in 1976. Book sales, 150 million copies of this series have been sold. So, yeah, it's a big one. What's it about? The book centers on vampire Louis de Pointe du Lac, who tells the story of his life to a reporter in that book only referred to as The Boy. And that story starts in 1791 in Louisiana, where Louis is a plantation owner who eventually meets Lestat de Lioncourt, and they become friends, and Lestat turns Louis into a vampire. And uh, you may remember that the book was turned into a feature film in 1994, starring Tom Cruise as Lestat and Brad Pitt as Louis. Oh, what do you say we get started? So you want me to tell you the story of my life? I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you all of it. I'm flesh and blood, but not human. I haven't been human for 200 years. From the novel by Anne Rice. From Neil Jordan, the director of The Crying Game. I've come to answer your prayers. Life has no meaning anymore, does it? His name is Lestat. But what if I could give it back to you? 
take out the pain and give you another life. One you could never imagine. So the movie co-starred Christian Slater as the reporter, Antonio Banderas as a character named Armand, and a young Kirsten Dunst as Claudia. It was a decent hit. It made $105 million domestically, $223 million worldwide. It got okay reviews in spite of the fact that Anne Rice initially hated the casting of Tom Cruise as Lestat because Lestat is a tall, blonde Frenchman, and Tom Cruise is... Well, not that. However, she later went on to describe the film as a masterpiece and actually issued an apology to Tom Cruise. My parents were also both outraged when they heard the news. Who is going to play Lestat? I still remember how angry they were because they were both huge fans of the books. Like the Vampire Chronicles, I think, were a part of my my entire childhood. And they, I remember them both saying, Tom Cruise! And I remember my dad specifically saying they should get the guy who played Carl in Die Hard, Alexander Godunov, who was born in the Soviet Union. He was taught, uh, Carl was the one, the, 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 the angry brother who fights uh, John McClane later in the movie. But yeah, that Alexander Godunov was born in the Soviet Union. He was tall. He was blonde. He was a ballet dancer, which when combined with the fights in Die Hard makes for this elegant brutality. So... <clears throat> That sounds as good of a casting choice as any. Also, for those of a certain vintage, you might remember Labatt Ice Beer. Do you remember this beer, Jeff Braun, Labatt Ice Beer? I do. I do remember. I remember long after it was discontinued, the sign for it uh, hung up in my local bar. We always like, when are they going to take that sign down? (laughs) Well, Godunov was the guy in those commercials. Anyway, that doesn't really matter. Just a little trivia nugget. They also made a movie for the third book in the series, Queen of the Damned. It wasn't as big a hit. And now we move to the television show. The year was 1910. My business was desire. Let me introduce you to Mr. Lestat de Leoncourt. I know who you are, sir. We're destined to be very good friends. I'm assuming you only met at night. It's New Orleans. Days are for sleeping off the previous evening's damage. That's your thing, then? You like to watch? I've been watching you for some time now. I can swap this life of shame. Swap it out for a dark gift. Let the tale seduce you. Just as I was seduced. Starring in this show, we have Jacob Anderson as Louis. You might know Anderson as Grey Worm in Game of Thrones. Sam Reed as Lestat. He's been in lots of stuff, likely stuff you won't know. He's an Australian actor. And Eric Bogosian plays the reporter, Daniel Malloy. The big change here is Jacob Anderson. He's black. And while it was a curious casting change initially, and AMC has made many changes while keeping the spirit of the story intact, like, for example, as you heard in the clip, the story now begins in 1910, not 1791, and it portrays how Louis is a successful black man in the early 20th century in the southern U.S., but he still has to deal with a lot of crap because of his race, and that leads to some of his frustrations, which eventually lead him down his immortal road. So, was it good? Well, I said it right off the top. I, I love it. I mean, I'll first say, I remember reading some of the book back when I was a teenager. I don't remember if I finished it. I did see the movie when it came out. I don't think I much cared for it. I've never been compelled to go back and watch it again, but I've been I've seen some people talk this week that the movie is iconic. So maybe I should give it another shot. Have you ever seen Interview with a Vampire? 
Jeff? I did. I saw I saw it in theaters, and I had nightmares for months over it because there's a a guy gets a uh, sawed in half at the end of it. Not sawed, but cut in half. It was just disgusting. <laughs> there was a lot of gross stuff. Okay. But I did enjoy. I did really like parts of it. I liked uh, Kirsten Dunst was really good in it, and uh, I also liked the parts with uh, the the reporter guy played by uh, Pump Up the Volume. Christian Slater. Christian Slater. Yeah. Yeah, and that's another change. And the Guns and Roses song. Oh, that's right. And uh, that's another change in this series. The reporter is now much older. And the the gimmick there is that he had previously interviewed Louis early in his career. And now he's he's been invited back to do it again. Uh, so, yeah, this show, it was amazing. 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. First off, it looks gorgeous. The cinematography is excellent. The sets and the costumes are incredible. It's often gothic, and the Louisiana setting is always fun to watch. The actors are terrific. The dialogue is wonderful for the most part. And when it is violent, it is violent. Wow. And um, it doesn't take itself too ser- too seriously. Like, yeah, it's a drama. But it's a vampire drama, and this show leans right into that and says, yep, it's a vampire show, so you're going to get a lot of campy vampire stuff. It was just a fun hour of TV, and I can't wait to see what's next. There will be seven episodes in season one. The show has been renewed for a season two. It airs Sunday nights on AMC. If you missed the first one, you should be able to watch it on demand. But yeah, I was thrilled because I, A, forgot that it had been on, I'm looking for something to watch, and then I say, oh, Interview with a Vampire was on last night. I guess I'm watching that, and boy, I loved it. And I also want to just take a minute here and follow up on something I talked about last week. That's the uh, the Quantum Leap reboot that is airing Monday nights on NBC. So last week, I mentioned that I had watched the first episode and said I liked it, but felt like it wasn't as fun as the original series and didn't have the heart because whereas the original just focused on the two primary characters Dr. Sam Beckett and Al who was his guide through as he leapt through time this show has a much larger supporting cast of characters and so we get simultaneous stories we get the story of the physicist at the center of this Ben who you know, he's he keeps leaping into different people, so he's got to figure out why he's there and what he has to fix before he can leap or make his next leap. But we also have this subplot back in the real world with this cast of supporting characters, and I didn't quite like that. But after watching episodes two and three, I think it's actually coming together quite nicely because I'm curious about the mystery that we have as the serialized component of the story. But the, the one-off stories have been great so it's this great it's this nice mix of episodic television and serialized television that's and i think it's good that they're trying this because if they just tried to do a straight remake or reboot with the exact same formula it wouldn't hold a candle to the original it can't but the guy that they've got playing the leaper his name is raymond lee and uh i think he's very well cast because he's uh, he's a nice guy. You can just he plays a nice guy and he plays it very well. His character has a lot of empathy that I because so, some of the lines he has to say are really cheesy and in the hands of another actor it might not work. But he's making it work really great and I I like, enjoy the cast. So so far I'm all in on Quantum Leap Monday nights on NBC. Up next, a major anniversary this week. Jeff Braun's got details. 
You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and a big anniversary for film history this week. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. James Bond turned 60 this week. We just heard his introduction in the very first Bond movie, Dr. No, which was released on October 5th, 1962. And of course, the franchise is still going strong. There have been 25 movies so far and six Bonds played by Sean Connery, George Lazenby, Roger Moore, Timothy Dalton, Pierce Brosnan, and most recently, of course, Daniel Craig. About a year ago, I embarked on a mission to watch all 25 movies. It took me about half a year to do that, watching one a week. I had seen several of them already, of course, which I, when I was a kid, I saw a few of the Roger Moore movies on TV. And then I, starting with the Brosnan era, I caught most of the new ones in theaters. And then a couple of the other old ones I saw here and there over the years. But I hadn't seen at least half of them, maybe more. So that was a really fun thing to do. And it was a fun trip through cinematic history as well, because besides the actors, the movies themselves changed a lot throughout the years, as everything does over the course of six decades. Movie making today and movie making in 1962 are very different things. Frankly, some of the old movies were a bit of an effort to get through, although I would put the second movie from Russia with Love very high in my Bond rankings. The good thing about James Bond, of course, is even when the movie is lacking a little bit, especially with those older ones, you could rely on the charm of the actor to carry things forward. Bond was designed like that, and guys like Sean Connery and Roger Moore brought a ton of it in different ways. I think I like the Moore area the most, even though the Daniel Craig movies are easily the best-made films. The Roger Moore movies are just more fun. They're more lighthearted. They provide sort of a better escape. Of course, everyone's going to have their own opinion. Like Saturday Night Live, your favorite era is probably the first one you were introduced to. As for the 60th anniversary, there's a new documentary about the Bond theme songs called The Sound of 007. There's also a concert recording of some of those songs called The Sound of 007, live from Royal Albert Hall. Those can be found on Prime Video. They just came out this week. And if you want to watch all the movies themselves, all 25 James Bond films are available on Crave in Canada. I'm sure you could also rent them as well from a variety of different places. The anniversary comes at a transition point for the series because the Daniel Craig era, of course, just ended last year with his fifth Bond film, No Time to Die. And at this point, we don't know who the next Bond will be. Now, of course, I should say the Couch Potatoes have terrible luck with timing, and it would be very much in keeping with that tradition if they did announce a new James Bond right after we finish recording our show before anyone hears it. But as of early Thursday afternoon, October 6th, there has been no new James Bond announced. They're definitely a couple of years away from a new movie coming out, and it'll be fun to see what direction that takes. No Time to Die did feel like a kind of a definitive end, but obviously it wasn't the end of the franchise, just the end of Craig's version of the character. And honestly, Honestly, continuity is not something that the James Bond films have ever worried about. They can't. You can't. Just over 60 years, you just can't. But it's weird because a new Bond actor would, uh, you know, come on board and some of the supporting roles would stay the same. So it often wasn't clear if they were doing a fresh reboot or not. Take the latest batch of movies, for example. In Daniel Craig's first movie, Casino Royale, which is the best of all the Bond movies, we sort of see his origin story. We see his first kill. We see M bestowing the double O title upon him, which sort of plays like it's the birth of Bond, except that 
M is played by Judy Dench, who also played M in all the Pierce Brosnan movies. So is that a continuation or not? And you can add to that the fact that those Pierce Brosnan films had Desmond Llewellyn playing Q, and he had played Q since the Sean Connery era. So you can draw a bit of a crooked line through the decades. It's kind of chaotic, and I think I kind of like it because other franchises like Star Wars or Marvel or whatever spend so much time and energy trying to keep their continuity and making sure that all the timelines make sense. And then the James Bond movies come along and just shrug and say, yeah, whatever. Let's just watch all the pretty people and let's just watch all the stuff that blows up and the cars drive fast and we'll have some fun. So 60 years down, you wonder if they'll get another 60 out of it, but I can't wait to see what and who they come up with next. So I'm looking at, uh, I just Googled who will be the next James Bond. There's one headline here from Collider who says that James Bond producer reveals the next 007 will be a 30 something actor and uh, Variety has, and that's a, a, head, a headline from within the last day. Variety has one within the last day as well. Who should be the next James Bond? 34 picks for the new 007. <laughs> and they, they go through all of the 30-something-ish actors out there from a variety yeah. of ethnicities, like Henry Golding, whom you might remember from yeah. Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, he's a Good. tall, handsome dude. Uh, Richard Madden, who played, of course... Uh, Rob Stark, the king in the north. He's great. My money is my money is on that guy. Because yeah. they don't like to they usually don't pick somebody super famous. Like people are saying, Oh, why don't they get, you know, Matt Damon or Ben Affleck or Leonardo DiCaprio or somebody? It's like, no. They pick somebody Pierce Brosnan, I think, must have been, you know, at the time the most famous of any of the actors they picked at the time that they were picked. You know what I mean? Bond makes somebody famous. You don't pick somebody famous to make Bond. Yeah, that's true. And like Henry Cavill, for example, there are a lot of people have been suggesting he should do it because he's done some spy movies. He was in The Man from Uncle. He was in Mission Impossible Fallout. And then he took, he's played Sherlock Holmes in the Enola Holmes films. But uh, he, A, he, as you pointed out, he's, he's already a super famous actor. He's almost 40 years old. Uh, so I don't think it would be him. So some interesting subge- suggestions here. Andrew Garfield, I see on this list. Tom Hardy. Potentially, uh, a bunch of actors I've never even heard of. <laughs> um, Jamie Dornan would be interesting, and that would be. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't I wonder. I don't. Hopefully, he's not still shaking off his involvement in the Fifty Shades of Grey movies because he's a terrific actor as well. So I don't know, but it's interesting that they're going to go with a thirty-something and go a bit younger. And uh, I am curious to find out who it is, and let's hope that the announcement is not made as soon as we publish this podcast, as we record <laughs> it on Thursday afternoon. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.